fasten your seatbelt. I'm taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. If you're going to ask me, so you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week. 30 years in the making. Bo, it's a 30-something movie podcast. That it is, John. How are you this lovely evening? I'm good, but I'm nervous. It's a movie that's a serious medical drama, and I I wanted to try to say funny things. Yeah, it's, it's so hard when you get these serious movies that are trying to make a point, and you, you want to not be that guy, but then something happens, and you're like... <clears throat> Mm-hmm. Stupid social commentary. I know. So it's let's just. Hard. I'm just gonna. I'm just. And coming said, off our. Said the know, actress. Said the actress to the bishop. Right. There we go. Coming off our 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 recent recording of the Wrath of Khan, while not itself social commentary as much as other original Star Trek, I do. I I, I do feel your pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Much like Cybok, I tend to share my pain publicly. But often. do you need your pain? I, I don't, actually. I I would be very happy to give it away. My family <laughs> was always big with garage sales. I'm very happy. Like, there you go. Lowest bitter, you can have it. Cybok would not have to put up with put up a fight to get my pain. So I, I feel like I just want to put a little warning in here now that if we do if we do make comments about the movie that we're not making fun of the subject matter. Like there are a couple of things. While I while I thought this was a, a pretty good movie, there are a couple of things about the movie that I absolutely intend on kind of poking fun at a little bit. So I will just I'll put in the disclaimer now that I'm not poking any kind of fun at medical conditions or anything like that because I, I think at this point everyone in the world knows someone who is has or is going through something medically, and so that is not anything that we might. Poke fun at it is more the movie itself and not the subject matter. So, that being said, how'd you like Lorenzo Lamas in this movie? <laughs> that was actually, the, I knew nothing about this movie. When I saw the name of it, I was like, Lorenzo's Oil. And clearly, I know nothing about medicine because I didn't realize this was a real thing. I didn't either. I knew that I knew of this movie, I had not seen it. I did not know what we were about to watch at all. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I did a little, obviously did a little reading and I was like, Oh, so this is a real thing. And then, okay. So that's real. Hmm. You are a much, much better man than I am. Cause I did zero research all the way up until watching this movie. I was completely convinced that this had something to do with like a spinoff of the TV series, Dallas. Wow. It was like Lorenzo's oil. Like, are we fighting for oil rights in Texas or something? And J.R. Ewing well, is going to show up. Here you go. That is certainly an option, isn't it? Act, we find out act three of the movie was all a dream. <laughs> yeah. So, and it, and here I am, of course, sitting here. And I think I have that as like a ringtone on my phone somewhere. And I'm sitting here going, Yeah. Okay, now that we've all now that we've treated our audience to our singing and they've turned us off. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the final episode of the Thirty Something Movie Podcast, and in which we tell jokes during a serious medical drama movie, and we sing the Dallas theme song and alienate pretty much all of our listeners. For those of you that are too young to know what Dallas was, look it up. <laughs> for those of you who are too young to know what dallas was i'll tell you what it was it was a good team in the 90s that's what it was oh i'm gonna i'm gonna i i did hear i did you can't you can't dispute that they they had the no team. i can't there yeah. was a there was a there was a meme going around recently 
about how long it's been since the Cowboys won something. Was it the? I, thought, I restrained myself from yeah. sending it to you, but that's okay. Thought about it. That's all right. That's all right. I I tend to, as our friends from Oklahoma know, I I tend to struggle a bit sometimes with my sports teams that I I wish they did better than they sometimes do. I am very proud of one of my teams for sticking it out with uh, Alabama during this last weekend. It was a Mm -hmm. a very, very good game. And I'm super happy with, with how they did, even though they didn't win. I was very happy. Also very happy that our neighbors across the street who were always Alabama fans no longer live there anymore (laughs) because I was flying my Texas flag no matter what. I don't care. That I believe. I did hear the joke the other day that somebody, they treated it as if they were reading something off of a, a news report that the Dallas Cowboys were at a team practice the other day and somebody discovered this white powder on the field. So they cleared the field until they could come in and investigate what it was. And after doing some analysis on it and, and uh, doing some investigation, they discovered that it was the goal line and they decided that they were, it was not going to be something that they would ever encounter ever again. So they just continued on with practice. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are dumb. I I kid that because one I like. I kid because I love, but at the same time, it hurts a little bit inside. I can understand that. It's true. As Metallica, as the the grand wisdom of Metallica has taught us, it's sad but true, Bo. Mm-hmm. And nothing else matters. And I blank out on. Give me fuel. Give me fire. I don't. There know. you go. And then we'll burn it all down. We're talking Lorenzo's oil. That has nothing to do with Metallica or the Dallas Cowboys, but. No, and there's no burning it down. No, no burning it down in this movie. So I did. So that was kind of interesting in watching this movie. I, I did. I did learn me something about medicine. Of course, I did go to WebMD, which is, of course, anytime you have any kind of a sniffle, that's always the best place to go so that you can self-diagnose, which reminds me of the running joke that we always used to have with the student medical center when I was in college was no matter what was wrong with you, you had two choices. If you went to the student medical center, to the the clinic that was there on the college campus, you were going to come back with either one of two diagnoses. Either you had the flu or you were pregnant. Mm. So oftentimes I bothered not going because I felt like I should just assume I had the flu. Well, yes. I think in that case, the other alternative would not, well, would just not have been medically possible. I mean, I've just say I've seen the movie junior, so I know it's possible. Well, possible, I think should be in air quotes there, but yeah. Total recall with the little guy in the one guy's stomach. Yeah, I'm going to go with Junior and Total Recall not being medical dramas. So... But are they not? There's some anatomy in Total Recall, I'll tell you that. (laughs) There is some anatomy, but again, I think the key word here is drama. I thought that scene was very dramatic. It was dramatic and wonderful in its own way, but... It had my attention. (laughs) Yes, I suppose it did. (laughs) <laughs> Three strikes and I was out. We're not here to talk about Total Recall, though. We're here oh, to we're not? About... I'm no, going to be right back then. As far as I know, and I, and I did watch the, the movie, as far as I know, there are no such scenes in Lorenzo's Oil. That's too bad. That's, that's okay, though. But what we do get is we get Nick Nolte trying out his Italian accent. Yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. How'd you feel about that? I, I don't know. Okay. I mean, I... I will admit to not having been around many native Italian speakers in my life. Mm. So maybe I just don't know, but it seemed like an odd choice to me. Yeah. I'm going to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think modern sensibilities, you would tend to err towards the side of, well, why don't you just hire someone that actually speaks Italian? Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't think, I, I don't think Nick Nolte is actually Italian. He was born in Omaha. I believe is the... Uh, That's pretty far from Italy. Yeah, born in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. I mean, they... Began they, his career on stage at the Pasadena Playhouse. Okay. Not seeing a whole lot of reference to Italy. No, that's just the first little paragraph there, but... Right. Okay. I, they know. have they have mm-hmm. an olive garden in Omaha. Are you sure? I think they do. <laughs> okay. I'm... Mm. Pretty sure. Or one of, or, or what is the, that, little, uh, that little fast food place, Spaghetti Outlet or something? Oh, there you go. I bet they there have one of those. Go. Even if they don't have an Olive Garden, I bet they, oh, Omaha has to have an Olive Garden. Doesn't everywhere have That's an Olive true. Garden? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Bloomington has one, so you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've got them. 
So. Well, our movie this time around is, as we've said, Lorenzo's Oil. has nothing to do with J.R. Ewing or the cast of Dallas. We are going to spoil the movie, so this is your only warning. And make sure you visit our website, 30podcast.com, where you can leave a rating, review, voicemail, become a co-executive producer via Patreon, which, if you do that, you will have access to all kinds of fun stuff. This month in particular, our Patreon episode is The Dark Crystal from 1982, we got a bunch of stuff from 82. And two of our Patreon shorts are Cue the Winged Serpent from 1982 and Cat People from 1982. Speaking of the life-changing scene that we were just discussing from Total Recall, have you had a chance to see Cat People, Bo? I have not. Okay. Okay. Do you enjoy movies that Annette O'Toole is in? I, I think I have in the past, yes. Do you enjoy the movie Diamonds Are Forever? I do. Would you enjoy seeing Plenty O'Toole? I would. You should watch Cat People. Noted. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Now that that order of business is done. I was going to say, we got there. <laughs> yeah, we, got, we there. got there. We got there. Now that that's done. Some of our other episodes this month are Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, which we had a guest host, Patreon executive co-producer Rob Perry came on with us. We're going to have Forever Young. We're going to have Death Becomes Her. And then in October, we've got, for our Patreon episodes, we've got Last House on the Left from 1972. And then the shorts are Airplane 2 from 82 and Secret of Nim from 82. And then for the month of October, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Army of Darkness, and the culminating masterpiece of the first three Alien movies, Alien 3. Why are you smirking? I have no idea. Okay. I'm, t I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm getting a bunch of messages on text messages and Twitter and other places of, of people like leaving me little comments about Alien 3. And we're going we're gonna to have some words about that. You're saying there's a lot of love for Alien 3 out there? I'm, that, saying, I'm saying I have enough love for Alien 3 for everyone. I'll believe that. Yeah. I'm not saying, and I've said this before, and I, and I will say it in that episode too, I'm not saying it's better than Alien or Aliens, because I, I rank those higher than Alien 3, but uh, I, I do not poo-poo it, as others do. So I, I do see the value in Alien 3. Okay. And it is my third favorite of the movies. Okay. So, but we'll get there. End of October. We'll get to that one. And I think Rob Perry is actually going to come back and, and, uh, and join us on that one too, so it'll be good to have him back in on that discussion. Nice. All right, so Lorenzo's Oil. I am going to, I'll, I'll go through our, our whole trivia pursuits section where I give some background on the movie. You will not hear me play the trailer for the movie because when I went to go look for the trailer, the trailer is entirely music and no dialogue. And there's maybe like one line of dialogue at the end of the minute and a half trailer. So I didn't think it probably made too much sense on an audio podcast to play a movie trailer that had no speaking. So it's one of those. One of those. There are scenes, they show scenes from the movie in which people are talking, but it, there's only music. Right, right, okay. And, and so, Bo, I, I, I just feel like, I feel like I have to say something about that, that it really bothers me when trailers cop out that way and they try to go the easy way out and they don't use the dialogue from the movie, which I really think could help sell the movie and, and really get more butts in seats and really increase the box office returns. But I don't know. I just, I felt I had to say something about that. I can understand that. We're going to get real sick and tired of that music. Yes. Yeah. They <laughs> definitely didn't splurge. No. On extra composition time. No, no, they, they, they found a piece that they liked and, Unlike, and be darned, they went for it, man. Unlike Jurassic Park, they splurged no expense. Yes. Was that music? Did you ever see the movie Simone with Al Pacino? Doesn't ring a bell. Okay. It's a, it's a fun movie. It's Al Pacino and Evan Rachel Wood is very young in that movie. Mm -hmm. And basically what it is is Pacino is a movie director, and he is sick and tired of dealing with, I think it's Winona Ryder is the actress who he's dealing with in the beginning of the movie. And he's sick and tired of how all these actors and actresses are all prima donnas. And they all like, well, you have to do what I want because I'm the high paid actor and it's my name that's on the screen. And it's at a, and so the movie is kind of a, a reaction to 
directors maybe not being the big name anymore and, and it be, being more the actors that kind of call the shots. And so basically what happens in the movie is he he encounters this guy who had started to create an artificial intelligence that was very lifelike. And so he creates this, that's called Simulation One, which he shortens to Simone. And mm. he uses the computer to become a fully computerized actress. And this came out around the time of like the early 2000s. So like when you had computerized characters like Jar Jar Binks mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So the movie is kind of a reaction to that too. It's actually a fun movie. I think I own a DVD copy of it. But what's funny about it is, is that whenever they show scenes from the movies and it's super dramatic and Simone is in an Oscar winning scene, they always play. It's this exact same adagio music that they used in this movie. Exactly the same. That's and, awesome. And so every single time, I didn't, and I, I almost was going to start counting in this movie the number of times they used this music for the. Oh yeah, don't stuff. do that. No. And and don't play the drinking game. You know the the Lorenzo's oh, oil adagio yeah. drinking game. Don't do that. No, that would be bad. No, no, no. So. All right. Well, our movie this time, like we said, is Lorenzo's Oil. It came out on the 30th of December, 1992, just barely getting in under the wire there to be a 92 movie. Rated PG-13 with a runtime of two hours and nine minutes. Directed by George Miller. And isn't that a kick in the pants that George Miller would have directed this movie? Apparently, George Miller has some training as a doctor. He does. Which is like... Which is the craziest thing when you think about it. Yeah. He's yeah. It's knowing things like that and knowing he directed this and Mad Max that make you go, okay, yeah, I'd like to sit down and talk to this guy. Mm -hmm. There is a lot happening there, and I'm very curious. As Arsenio Hall used to say, it's things that make you make you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, so the the same guy that did The Witches of Eastwick, Mad Max, Fury Road, well, all the Mad Max movies for the most part, and the same guy who included Tina Turner in Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome directed Lorenzo's Oil, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. Just puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I half expected Tina Turner to show up and start singing We Don't Need Another Hero. <laughs> that could have provided some some variety instead of the adagio the entire time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder if she like she could slow it down a little bit and maybe do like a like as the background music like a. You're simply the best. Better than all the oh. rest. Yeah, I don't know. This is why I'm not a songwriter. Yes, that's why. Also not a singer. Yes. Barely a podcaster. Also podca- true. Barely a podcaster. <laughs> and after tonight, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we're only podcasters if people listen, right? Like that's... if you record something and publish it, are you a podcaster? Or does someone have to listen first? Yeah. And if a tree falls on your podcast in the woods, is, is uh, there's yeah. something, something about the Pope, but I don't remember. Yeah, and, and bears in the woods, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And Tiger Woods, I don't know, something. Written by George Miller and Nick Einwright, who died in 2003. Miller did The Road Warrior and the movie Babe. And then Einwright, or Enright, did Black Rock and Come In Spinner. Producers for this one were George Miller and Doug Mitchell. Miller obviously did uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, Dead Calm. Mitchell did Babe and Happy Feet. Music got a big old N.A. for the music on this one because basically they reused the same thing over and over and over again. And there are a couple of other musical pieces in here, but not really noticeable, or at least I didn't think they were. Cinematography done by John Seal, who did Witness and The English Patient. Editor was Marcus Darcy, who did Babe and Dark City. Richard Francis Bruce was another editor who also did Seven and Air Force One. Get off my plane. And what's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? That used to be the name of our trivia team. (laughs) That's funny. I don't remember why we were called that. Why did we call? Oh, because somebody. Okay, so somebody, we were at trivia one time. Hold on. Sorry, I I need to set the scene. Okay, so we were at trivia this one time. And somebody came in a little bit late, and they brought a box of what looked like 
take-home box from like Domino's Pizza or a pizza place or somewhere like that. And we said, you got some pizza to take home? And they said, no. And so we asked them, well, what's in the box? What's in the box? And they're like, I'm not telling you. We never found out what was in the box. Oh, my. But the number of times that night that we all at the table relayed the message, what's in the box? So, Well, I mean, you just kind of have to. You're kind of compelled. That became, and sometimes we would alternate. Like one week, our tri- trivia team name was What's in the Box. And this one time, we had too many people show up because you had to you had to limit yourself to a team of eight. So we had too many people show up one time. So we split into two teams. One was What's in the Box, and the other team was called Gwyneth Paltrow's Head. Well, <laughs> that's one way to do it. I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> just, in, just in case you haven't seen that movie. Oh gosh! The budget for this one is thirty million. Box office was seven point two million, so it did not quite make its money back. No, I wonder what it did over time because I feel like this is one of those like word of mouth kind of movies. Mm-hmm. Like somebody sees it and says, "Oh man, you gotta like, you gotta see this. It's powerful. It's you know all of these things." And I feel like it has a better chance of sur- of doing well that way i feel like it's very niche oh indeed indeed but like for lack of a better way to say it my wife tells her sister her sister tells a couple of friends and it does it's it does they tell two friends and and so on and so on (laughs) and i feel like it could it could gain more of a more recognition that way yeah yeah I don't know, and, and we'll talk some more about this as we go on, but I don't know if this is the case for anybody else, but for some reason or another, anytime I see Nick Nolte, I shy away from the movie. Oh, interesting. I don't know. Okay. I have kind of a reaction to him as like, eh, I don't know. And I don't know why. Interesting. I don't know why. I don't know if it's like the unkempt appearance or I don't know what it is. Right. I just tend, interesting. I tend to just shy away from it. Well, and I think I've I think I've heard some stories here and there of people who have been in movies with him, and they're like, "Yeah, I don't really enjoy working with that guy." That'll so, do it, though. I mean, and, that's all it takes to yeah, and, sour and I don't know, you on somebody, right? And I don't know how true those are. Or I don't know if it's you know, I don't know if it's the other person who was a jerk or I who totally. Knows, but I don't know. For some reason, I I tend to see that Nick Nolte is in a movie, and I'm like, yeah, I'll I'll walk this way. Flick Metrics gives this one a 73%. Cinema score gives it an A. So the people that went to go see it didn't. So the people that went to go see it did enjoy it. So, Well, and that that lines up with your niche theory that yeah. it's it's a very niche scenario. And yeah. people who do decide to go see it are going to like it because they're predisposed to like it. Right, right. So we've got Nick Nolte playing Augusto Adonier, who was in The Prince of Tides and The Thin Red Line. Susan Sarandon was Michaela Adonier. She was in Thelma and Louise and Dead Man Walking. Peter Ustinov, who died in 2004, played Professor Nicolaus. He was in Spartacus and Logan's Run. I'm Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. No, I'm Spartacus. No, but I'm I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. Pat is Spartacus. Done. There we go. Good. We both saved our bacon. Mm-hmm. Mm, bacon. bacon. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <sighs> yes. See my earlier comment before we started recording when you used the word brevity and I accidentally thought you said obesity. Yes, well, mm, bacon. <laughs> I tell you, it was the Book It program. I blame the whole thing. I know. It's, it's why I am the size I am and why I read so well. Dude, the it's it's the catch twenty two it's the catch twenty two of childhood literacy slash obesity is the book and right? program. Well, and there's a great meme floating around about how how amazing was Pizza Hut when they brought that pizza out in a piping hot skillet. We thought it was the best thing we'd ever seen in our lives. We've since learned what pizza is, and and then I moved you know? to Chicago. Right, and things have changed a little. But (laughs) the point is, that stuff was good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Man, we haven't even started talking about the movie yet. We've already devolved into the 30-something food podcast. Yeah, well, that's, that's how we roll. It's what we do. <laughs> that is that is true. And, and the more we do it, the more we roll. <laughs> yes. Oddly enough. Cause and effect, friends. Cause and effect. Kathleen Wilhoyt played Deirdre Murphy. She was in Roadhouse and The Edge. Jerry Bammon played Dr. Judelon. He was in Home Alone and The Bodyguard. Margot Martindale played Wendy Gimble. She was in The Firm and The Good Wife. James Rebhorn, who died in 2014, played Ellard Muscatine. He was in Independence Day and Scent of a Woman. Hoo-ah! Anne Hearn played Loretta Muscatine. She was in My Father the Hero and The Accused. And Maduka Steady played Omuri, who was in Law and Order and The Three-Way. So again, like I said, I'm not going to play a, a trailer here because it was pretty much just all music. Um, in terms of trivia, so Bo, you mentioned the one that with George Miller's medical background, it kind of it kind of helped the the accuracy and credibility of the medical parts of this movie. Which I'm not knowing anything about medicine, it was all believable for me. I'm like, oh, okay, well that makes that, yeah. I mean, it, I believe it, you. Sometimes you watch these movies and you go, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, most of this. At least made sense. Right. You know? It, it doesn't take much for it to help make sense for me if I'm sitting over here going, I need 20 cc's of manure, paneer, veneer, manure, stat. When that's yes. all the medical knowledge I have. Yeah, that's true. I guess we weren't starting from, you know. Yeah. And if you leave your Sims alone for too long, they die. Yeah. That's all I yeah. know. That's really all I know. I never, I never even had a Tamagotchi, so I feel like that would have been one step closer to medical school for me. <laughs> There's a blast from the past. Mm-hmm. My gosh. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh so my Susan Sarandon said this would have been really interesting. Susan Sarandon said that this movie was originally supposed to be shot and then edited and, and recolored so that as the movie goes on and as Lorenzo declines, that the movie would fade from color to black and white. That would have been an amazing thing to watch. Yeah. I think it's pretty hard to do. Yeah. And expensive, which is why it didn't happen. But yes, that would have been. I love movies that play with color. It would have been yeah. interesting to see if they were given the chance. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, it sounds like they the production ran out of money, so they couldn't reverse Yellow Brick Road it. And it just ended up being the way that it is. She also apparently in the same interview said they were originally going to do that with Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, I heard that. I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. That would have also been cool. I would be cool with that. Some other interesting trivia. Michelle Pfeiffer was originally cast as Michaela Adonia, but dropped out in order to play Catwoman in Batman Returns. Choices we make. For which, interestingly enough, the role of Catwoman was also, they were also considering Susan Sarandon that role so susan sarandon and michelle pfeiffer apparently in the minds of producers at the time anyway interchangeable yeah which is interesting i don't know if i see susan sarandon pulling off a Catwoman. it certainly would be a different different Catwoman. yeah like i think you'd you'd be looking at just a different temperament a different yeah I mean, don't get me wrong. She's an awesome actress. I mean, she, oh, indeed, Thelma and Louise and and Dead Man Walking. This, I mean, all the different things that I've seen her in. She's an amazing actress. But yeah, I, I have a hard time picturing her pulling off the role of Catwoman, at least mm-hmm. as, as it was in the in the '92 movie. True, and we we talk about this a lot. If somebody else, such and such a thing, and yeah. Because an actor brings so much of themselves to any role, it's really hard to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The last little trivia bit that I've got here is the actual. So this is based on a true story. The actual Lorenzo Adonia. Doctors had predicted he would die very shortly after diagnosis. I think in the movie they say, isn't it like just a matter of months? Yeah, that's or, something like that. Yeah. At, at most 10 to 18 months or something like that after diagnosis, most kids were dead he lived let's see he lived until may 30th 2008 one day after his 30th birthday and then he passed away so that was uh, you think about it it's pretty good it's pretty good you know for being what was he five years old when he was diagnosed and Mm -hmm. probably not expected to hit your sixth birthday and yet you end up living until you're 30 that's that's pretty good all right the synopsis for this one in a world 
where the true life drama of it. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry. Let me, let me fix this. I was going to say, you need to set the mood. Yep. In a world where the true life drama of a father and mother who battled against the odds to save their son's life unfolds before you, Augusto and Michaela Adonye are dealt a cruel blow by fate. Five-year-old Lorenzo Lamas is diagnosed with a rare and incurable disease, but the Adonye's persistence and faith leads to the cure which saves their boy and rewrites medical history. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> We're going to make a new medical breakthrough. New medical breakthroughs at the Allstate Arena. <laughs> I- Truckosaurus <laughs> brings the medical breakthrough onto the stage. There you go. Truckosaurus's oil. That's a different kind of oil. <laughs> 5W40. <laughs> there you go. We make it special just for him. <laughs> We're going somewhere. I'll tell you that. Yes, we are. May, in a handbasket, Bo. Probably in a handbasket. So major moments in this movie. We've got... So the first of our major moments is... I'm calling it Out of Africa. The Adonies are living in Africa, and we meet... Is it Omori? I think was the, the one person's name. And very, you know, very good friends with little Lorenzo. And so you just kind of get a little bit of quick backstory of the family and, you know, how they've lived overseas and, and uh, you know, maybe have had different life experiences than your typical family. But they are coming back to the United States. And very quickly in this movie, we get to major moment number two is problems in school, is that Lorenzo starts to act out in school. And so they think it may be some kind of an issue with something going on at home or that it's more of a behavioral thing. And so the the parents originally start to get kind of defensive about that. They're like, whoa, 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 the, our, our boy has never lashed out. He's never, like, we don't act that way at home. Why are you accusing us of, of all this stuff? And the teacher, I don't know if you noticed, is a very young Laura Linney. So it was her first movie. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. I was like, wait a minute, I know that person. Yep. Yep, so that was her first movie role. Moving into the third major moment, and that is when they start to get the prognosis, and they find out that this is not just a behavioral thing, and it's not just something that can be easily dealt with. It is a almost always fatal diagnosis that they give him, and I was going to try to repeat the name of the diagnosis, but the best I could probably come up with is just calling it Ankylosaur. Yeah. Yeah, it's I and I'm adreno mm, mm-hmm. adreno leukodystrophy. Sounds right? Okay. Sure. All right. Folks, if you can believe it, I used to be an English teacher. Keyword used to be. Used to be. I'm not an English teacher, but I did stay a ho- at a Holiday Inn Express. We're happy for you. There you go. So, yes, uh, we can shorten it to ALD. Is that's the shortened name of it. And supposedly, as I'm as I'm reading on WebMD, again, the source of champions for all your medical knowledge, there is Lorenzo's oil, the actual Lorenzo's oil, is used to treat the disorders known as adrenoleukodystrophy, or ALD, or this one's even longer, adrenomyeloneuropathy, or AMN. That's probably the last time I'm going to try to pronounce those. It's probably a good idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Will Ferrell from Saturday Night Live when he used to play George Bush in the political debates when they used to do them on SNL. And they would in one of the debates they asked him, one of the moderators starts going through and, and starts asking about, you know, this world leader from this country and this world leader from this country in Africa and this one and this world leader and this world leader. And his first response is Well, I'm not gonna try to pronounce any of those names tonight because I don't think that would be in our nation's best interest. <laughs> All I do have to say, though, is don't mess with Texas. <laughs> so I'm not going to pronounce any of these other no, names. No, that's, that's best for everyone. <laughs> again yes. tonight, because I don't think it's in our nation's best interest. Don't mess with Texas. So, yes, so we have the, prognos- the prognos- prognosticator. I We went to Groundhog Day real fast there. Yeah. Which... Maybe that's how that's how they should have treated the, like replaying of the music all the time. That's the feeling I got. There you like, go. It was like I got you, babe, versus the adagio music. 
same kind of thing. That makes Groundhog Day a way different movie if that's the music that starts playing every time he wakes up. Yes. Mm-hmm. Morning, campers. It's cold out there. Yeah. Then they go to the parent group, and the parent group is where we first start to get the idea that the parents are, and this is where... Yeah, normally we kind of will will break up our major moments and our deep thoughts, but I kind of feel like we've been shuffling some of them together anyway. So I'll just proceed, and I will say this is the moment in the movie where things started to get a little sticky because yeah, the parent. Let's, I want group, to see where you. Well, the parent, see what stuck with you. Well, the parent group. The one thing I I worried that either the movie did very very well or the movie did not do well and I don't know which one, was as we start to get the reactions to this illness from the different parents. Like, I feel like there were points in the movie where some of the parents came across as being almost two-dimensional characters. Yes. That just had some comment to say that, that showed either they had given up or that they were just blindly trusting in the doctors or whatever in a negative way. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, that's a little, that's a little simplistic. Yeah, it felt like they had reduced all these other parents to some sort of one-dimensional thing. Like, I don't know many parents that would be as quick to dismiss a possible cure. Does, Does that sound right? Right, in for the sake of procedure. Right. And yep. while I so there was part of me as I'm watching this, I'm going, gosh, it does say he was trained as a doctor. So this is almost like looking at it through the lens of a medical professional who's saying, Gosh, if these parents would just leave us alone, we could get some work done. You know, mm-hmm. it 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 felt like an odd tone to take for a movie that I felt was originally supposed to be about this breakthrough mm-hmm. yeah and at one point i was like like are we gonna kill this breakthrough is and I, I didn't know enough about the movie at the time right so i was like oh my god is this gonna be like how this kid dies because they won't look at i was like oh my god yeah <laughs> yeah i was very thankful that that was not what happened in the end yeah yeah because it, it was almost like when you had the scenes with the other parents like this parent group I almost felt like it veered into the like after school special kind of territory. Right. And I was like, people standing up and like, well, well, but did you know that 32% of like, Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, not and not to discount that, that we don't, we shouldn't have that information shared because I know particularly in, in medical dramas like this, that, you know, I, I know part of the point of the movie is to, to, get a message across or to share information or, mm-hmm. or to promote something so that maybe there's more funding that's put towards you know, these treatments or things like that. So I'm not, I'm not belittling that piece of it at all, but just the way it was done artistically and in terms of the writing, those moments I was just like, really? I mean, we're going to, we're going to paint these other parents. I felt, and maybe I was wrong that they were painting the other parents as if they were almost like the villains. Yeah. And and maybe and, that and was just like it. it. Maybe they wanted to give us someone to dislike. Yeah. But I feel like but, in, the, in a medical drama, that, so that's where I think this. That's where to use Jeff's term. That's that's what where I bumped against this movie is. I think in a medical drama, you don't need a villain. Like, the, the, isn't the disease the villain? The isn't illness, the the illness? Yeah. Is the villain. Why? So I don't know that you need. Yeah. Yeah, I, it just it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And and when you had the other scenes later on, and I get what they were going for, and I and I probably I probably should have been a little bit more open-minded about it. And I did try to put myself in in their shoes and think, "Okay, well, how would I act if this was happening to my child?" And it, but just some of the scenes where Susan Sarandon's character starts laying into the different nurses and they're like, mm-hmm. "You know what? You don't care enough. Just get out. Like pack your stuff and get out." I was yeah, like, that was rough. Man. I was like, "Whoa!" Like I, I, I've never been through this situation, so I'm not going to judge the degree to which you might feel 
that like it's you against the world kind of a deal. But at the same time, I'm like, whoa, these folks are trying to help. And, you know, uh, is it is it feasible to assume that everybody's going to be 101 percent optimistic every single day? Right. No. So maybe don't bite the person's head off for maybe voicing some concerns about because I mean I think that's a that's a valid point too is while while absolutely you want to fight and do everything you can to help a person recover but I also feel like there can reach a point where you just like is if you've been told it's a fatal diagnosis does it reach a point where you say okay we're not going to do anything further to fight this. And I, I will only say that from like, I'll, I'll just share from my own experience when my dad had his final stroke and we were basically told he's not ever going to wake up from this. Like it's, this is it as much. Would I have loved to have fought and clawed and found some kind of a way to say, Nope, 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 Nope. We are doing everything we possibly can to reverse this, to fix this. Or do you reach a point and you say enough suffering is enough, you know? So I, that part I think was, was a little tough for me when her character started just in, in extreme anger, started lashing out at everybody. Yeah. I, and that's the other part where I was, I think having trouble with this movie was I, I wasn't, I felt like the message kept getting confused. One minute we've got the doctors and these other parents that are the enemy. One minute we've got these nurses that are the enemy when the whole time it's the disease that's the enemy. And I guess they were trying to show us the struggle you would go through in this situation. I'm just not sure it succeeded like they hoped. Yeah, I did enjoy some of the scenes where Nick Nolte's character, when he went to the library and was hanging out yeah, there. Yeah, well, they they portrayed him as this calm, rational scientist type who's right. going to get the information. And you know what? This goes back to that one-dimensional thing we talked about earlier. Yeah, He was very one-dimensional. Susan Sarandon's character was very one-dimensional. She was the emotional one. He was the logical one. Yeah. You know, if you're trying to tell the real story no one is that one dimensional. Right. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, those parent group scenes, I struggled a little bit. Now, some of the parents later on, like they show up and they're, they're helping each other out and they're, they're kind of, they have a like little group within the group kind of banding together a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, as they come through and they, they start to like basically put themselves through medical school. They, uh, yeah, as, as he's at the library. That was kind of, cool. Like, yeah, like that mm-hmm. whole scene where they're doing the research and they've got all the, the like NCIS board at home where like all the like strings are running everywhere and all that stuff. And they're, they're trying to figure out, I, I guess the ultimate discovery is what comes to be known as Lorenzo's oil is a mixture of fatty acids that seemed to kind of slow down the disease. And so this mixture of, of acids that they were able to obtain, I think it was, was it called uricic or uricic acid and oleic, oleic acid? Yeah, they and lost me a little on that too, yeah. just because too much science. I, I got it. It's think- sort of like math. There was too much of it. Yeah, I think I got it either like a B plus or something in chemistry. So I was yeah. like, you say the word acid and I kind of follow along, but. Right. <laughs> and they're starting to talk about separating the oils. And I was like, okay, I understand the broad strokes here, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. And I think they did a decent job for folks like us who couldn't quite get into the science. Once in a while, they went a little deep and I was like, oh, this is not approachable. Yeah. At, at this point, yeah. there's a lot happening here. Yeah. And I got that they were trying to tell that story, but it was it was challenging. Yeah. Well, and they mentioned fatty acids and I had to break out my little notebook of potential band names if I ever learned to play an instrument. Yes. Yeah. Most definitely. The fatty acids. What Indeed. Was, what was our band name we came up with a few years ago? Was it like the three circles? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, or something like that. Yeah, we're all in shape. Mm-hmm. Round, round <laughs> is a shape. 
It is a shape. It is a shape. Circles are a shape. <laughs> Circle takes the square. And so then by the end of the movie, we find that Lorenzo's oil is a lifesaver. And so we have all of these instances we start to see. And I, I think some of the footage they put in were, were like actual footage of some of the different families. At the um, end. At the yeah. end. And, and kind of very documentary style, just sharing that this is an actual. So if you went to the movie and you're like, oh, this is this is moving and this is uh, inspirational and but didn't realize necessarily that this was an actual thing then by the end of the movie you are treated to i guess i don't want to belittle it by calling it an advertisement but it's basically a documentary slash advertisement for hey this is a real thing and maybe if we have more funding we can find other treatments and not just slow this down but actually deal with it and cure it and help these kids get their lives back so, ah, so those are the major moments. I think we've kind of talked through some of our, our deep thoughts here. Let's, if we have any more, let's, let's jump into some deep thoughts. And now, deep thoughts. <gasps> oh, I don't know if you have any deep thoughts, but. I try not to most of the time. You don't? Okay. I can't swim, so the, the less we wade into the deep end probably the better that's not true i can i can swim well i can swim the same way buzz lightyear can fly okay we'll put it that way sure i, I got gotcha. you i flail with survivability <clears throat> is what i'm going to call it that's a good way to put it i like it i i only doggy paddle bo did you like the movie you know in the end i did it it took me a little while to get there mm. i just wasn't sometimes we talk about you got to be in the right headspace and maybe yeah. i just wasn't but yes in the end i did okay what was your feeling on the movie in the end well bo much like you i feel like i started off a little lukewarm on the movie and i just wasn't sure how it was gonna go and then there were the scenes with susan sarandon and i was like wow that's, that was intense. That escalated quickly. <laughs> yes. Especially that scene where she killed a guy with a trident. Yes, ultimately, I, I think I can say I did. I appreciated the movie. I did. I was entertained by the movie. I was informed by the movie. Yeah, and, and I think it did a good enough job of taking, which I think helped that, that George Miller has a medical background, of taking some of the concepts of the movie and trying to make it, I don't know that it always succeeded, but trying to make it, try to explain it in layman's terms. Sure. And not just layman's terms, but a layman that's probably sitting in the movie theater holding a giant drink and some popcorn. Yeah. It, <laughs> you hear people talk about popcorn movies. Yeah. No. No. Not a, not a popcorn movie. There was oil involved, but not that there kind of oil. There was, but not, not that kind. Not that kind of oil. Yeah, so I think overall... Overall, I think it was a good movie. Yeah, I mean, they, they it shares with the public something that most of us would never know. Like you and I said, we had never heard of Lorenzo's oil. We didn't know this was a real thing. And that's good. You know, art sometimes has to be that. We can't always be a summer blockbuster. And I think, I think the goals they set out to accomplish, they would probably say were accomplished. Yeah. Well, and the other fun thing about it is, Having mentioned this, one of my favorite things that I always bring up is having mentioned the name Lorenzo's Oil in the movie always gets me excited. Boy, I usually only get this excited when they say the title of a movie in the movie. I'm telling you, these drug dealers represent a clear and present danger to the United States. Yeah, yeah, he said it. He said it. Yeah. So I'm sitting there. You dug deep for that one. (laughs) I did. They mentioned Lorenzo's Oil, and I'm like, ah, ah, there. He said it. He said it. Oh. Oh, dear. I think we've kind of shared a lot of our deep thoughts as we were talking about the major moments portion of this, too. Are you are you ready to jump into three questions? I am, John. Okay. So, Bo, sometimes there's a segment we have on the podcast here. And it used to be five questions. And then after a certain point in time, I realized, good Lord, I have to come up with five questions every single time we do this podcast. I can't do that. You know, it's it's. I think it's unreasonable to always have to do five. And then I was like, well, we need something else because I can't do five every time. I, it's my understanding 
Indeed. So, so I think we're just going to settle for three questions. And now it's time for three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Oddly enough, that is a true story, that we used to do five questions, and I got tired of coming up with five questions, so I reduced it down to three questions. But I used to use, when I used that sound clip of from Monty Python, it used to be, he asks each traveler five questions, and then I would cut it off after that. The first week we switched it to three questions, I just added that part back in. It was like, he asks each traveler five questions, three questions, three questions. Like, that works perfectly. It was amazing. It was. It was meant to be. Kismet. It was. Fate. Whatever you want to call it. Bo, three questions. Question number one. What is your favorite medical drama, either TV or movie? Ooh. Favorite medical drama. MASH. Nice. Nice. Which, to date the podcast, if you have access to the channel Reels, R-E-E-L-E-Z, they are running a special on MASH this week about its social impact and all sorts of other things. Reels as a channel is a little suspect sometimes, so I'm not sure if this is going to be any good. But some of the interviews they have shown in the trailer seem interesting. Okay. All right. So yeah, I as I, I as a kid for some reason or another I couldn't get into Mash. It just was like I it, it was on reruns all the time, and I sure. just was like, yeah, no, no thanks. So I never really gave it a fair shake. I don't know if that's one of those that I need to like give it a chance. Highly recommend it. Okay, all right. In any form, yeah. know that the original movie and the TV show have very little to do with each other except the names right. of the characters. Right. Yeah. And and if you're going to do a rewatch, start from the beginning. Okay. It is how we sit around and we talk about how Star Trek can be a, a window into social commentary because they can get away with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think Mash succeeded in that in its own way, also. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with, although I would love to choose, was it, uh, did Jonathan Frakes do the alien autopsy things that they used to do? Yes. Yeah. I would like to choose that one. I don't think I'm going to. I really want to. No, I'm not going to. I'm going to go with, because I feel like, feel like what? Like we're being watched. Away, put your weapon. I feel, I don't know where that came. That, actually, I could I could pick that as the medical drama, because we're always like cutting off people's hands and getting them replaced and getting, right. you know, throwing them back to tanks and. I'm going to go with ER, and I'm going to go with, like... That was definitely a runner-up for me. That yeah. there's that show is just good. I'm going to go with, like, the first few seasons of ER because... Yeah. And I'm trying to remember what season it might have been. I don't know, I don't know the seasons and, and all that stuff as religiously as I do some other shows. Whatever season where a, like, military-style tank drove through the hospital was where I felt like they might have jumped the shark just a little bit. Oh, yeah, there was some shark jumping. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's say anything before the tank drove through the wall. Okay, I, I think that's fair. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. Because, too, and that was one where I remember in college, getting up and getting ready in the morning, you could easily put on, whether it was either TNT or TBS, and there were at least two or three episodes of ER that were on every single morning. So that was always, oh, yeah. I remember I'd pop that on the TV, I'd start to get ready for, for a class in the morning, and... Or in the afternoon, depending on how long I slept. <laughs> All right, question number two. Who would win in a fight, Nick Nolte or Gary Busey? Busey. Yeah. He's he's just crazy enough to try anything. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah. I kind of felt like Gary Busey. And the only reason I say that is because when I see pictures of Nick, actually, I think when I asked my wife about something about Nick Nolte, I think she thought I was talking about Gary Busey. Oh, well, and and I I think sometimes there are some pictures of Nick Nolte where like his hair is all crazy and everything else. And 
and it kind of is like, are they the same person? Maybe. So, I can see that. Yeah, I totally can see that. So that that's kind of the purpose behind the question. But I think I agree with you. I think Gary Busey is just seems like he might be psychotic enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I try to picture Nick Nolte in his Italian accent saying something like lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. And it's not quite the same. No. No. So, yeah, I think I'd go Gary Busey, too. Celebrity Fight Club. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I'm trying to think of more celebrities. I'd fight William Shatner. But how old is he? Like right now, William Shatner or like... Well, if I want to have a chance, Spacey yeah. William Shatner. If it's... So let's put it this way. If he fights in real life like he does on Star Trek, I'll take him at any time. Well, yes. Because I just feel like the double-handed punch is not effective. By the way, callback to a previous episode. Has the Wrath of Khan episode aired at this point? No. Okay. Call forward to an... Call un- forward. <laughs> I will ask a question during Wait. the Wrath of Khan episode about the first appearance of the two-handed Star Trek punch. Mm-hmm. It did appear very early in the season. In fact, in the first filmed episode, but I believe it aired third or fourth, where no man has gone before, he hits a Gary Mitchell with the two-handed. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, he does it. Nice. Goes right for it. Where no man has gone before. Yeah. Which also describes the line for the bathroom at a Jimmy Buffett concert. Yes. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but. I wasn't wasn't going to ask. You don't need to. I was trying to picture how in the Street Fighter video game, you could have your players fight each other, and then some of those video games, you could choose the background. I'm trying yes. to decide what background Nick Nolte and Gary Busey are fighting in. Oh, it's a it's the... street out in front of a bar with big, bright neon signs. Okay. And Patrick Swayze's the doorman. Oh, nice. That's a nice touch. I thought so. Yeah. Mine was they're waiting in line for the porta potties at a Jimmy Buffett concert. Well, see that good, that's good too. And one of the special they're features still neon. One, one, yes, and one of the special and lots of parrots. One of the yes. special features is you know how in some of those games you could actually use part of the background as a weapon. Uh huh. Yeah, you can use a porta potty and smash one of the guys over the head with it. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. And Busey would do it. Yeah. Every time. Lions and tigers and bears. Hadouken. <laughs> Bo, are there any, question three, are there any home remedies that have been passed down through your family? That's a tough one. Home remedies, maybe a little. My mother swears by Vicks VapoRub for lots of things that it's not necessarily for. Okay. Like she used to tell us when is, Is this like the dad in Big Fat Greek Wedding who uses the Windex for everything? Sort of. Okay. Yeah. Like, you're supposed to use it, you rub it on you to the vapors, and they clear up the nose, whatever. She would use it on on chapped lips, and come to find out, you really shouldn't do that, because you're not supposed to ingest the stuff. Well, which, which I think I probably learned the hard way, too, because I was like, why am I rubbing this on my chest if I'm trying to clear up my nose? I used to take it and, like, rub it on the inside of my nose. Right, and I would put it up here, and yeah. then you're supposed to do this, you like, know, you, you things you I'm learn like, when you're an adult. I'm like, why would I do that? Like, when I put gas in my car, I'm not standing five <laughs> feet away and then, like, spraying the gas and getting as close as I can. No, wait, I'm going to, what? Wait, wait, you're not? No. That's not how I'm supposed to. Not, uh. unless, not unless I'm going to light a match and watch the place go up. It depends okay. on how the day at work has been. I, I see. I see. I need to, to study something. Okay. Oh, it's called then, Lorenzo's oil. Right. <laughs> and then, oddly enough, the other thing she would like to do is Carmex, which is a lip balm. Yes. She liked to put it on just random stuff. Like if she's got a, if she, if she's got a little bump or a red mark uh-huh. on her eyelid, she'll put it up there because it'll help the skin. Okay. Like, really? This is this is happening? So when you like, say random stuff, you're still talking about, like, parts of the body. Well, yeah, okay. yeah. I didn't know if you were, like, if your mom was, like, using it as, like, a varnish or... Well, not that I'm aware of, but oh, i got to be honest. Eh. Between the VapoRub and the Carmex, there's all mm-hmm. sorts of weirdness happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Mom, the fine china seems to be shinier than usual. 
It's the CarMax. <laughs> a Big Mac. A Big Mac. If you were starting to feel sick, go to McDonald's and have a Big Mac. It would de- cleanse you. If you know what I mean. That was the theory. Wow. I am next to godliness then. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> yeah, double quarter pounder with cheese me, please. Like a Big you know. Mac. So the Big Mac cleanse. Yeah, the theory was that huh. if you're starting to feel sick, you have that and it would help you flush out the bad. Huh. Yeah. Concept I mm-hmm. took to heart possibly a little too much. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so weird little things like that. <laughs> I you can know? just picture I can picture Jack Nicholson. This town needs a quarter pounder. Huh. Okay. Uh, I, I have not heard of that one. We did have a natural cleanser in Texas known as Chili Night. Indeed. Probably along the same lines. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I think it was. My wife's was I don't I can't think of any in our family that we had. It was always when you're sick, you always have soup and you have seven up or something like that. Right. That was ginger like ale and the, crackers. Right, right. All you that know, stuff. Yeah. In my wife's family, it was like hydrogen peroxide fixes everything. Okay. It's like you got a cut, put some hydrogen peroxide on it. Well, they're not wrong about that in some I mean, ways. That's yeah, interesting. But like, but like yeah. everything. <laughs> everything. Well, it works for this. It might work for that. Who knows? I, I mean, it's. I, I'm picturing at some point, it's like you got sore muscles, hydrogen peroxide. It smells like Ben Gay in here. Yes. <laughs> yes. <sighs> for those of you that don't know where that came from, blue collar comedy, Jeff mm-hmm. Foxworthy. Uh, uh, yes. Internet machine will take care of that for you. What a trooper he was. You might be a redneck. Which is funny. I listened to that and just kept thinking it was like a book on tape. I didn't realize it was a comedy special. Well, when like, you grow up in Texas. It was like, yes, I, I have aunts and uncles who have done this. Yes. Yeah, that's that was yesterday. I, I, I think I have an aunt who would have won a spitting contest. So. <laughs> why why are people laughing at this? Is it, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand. This is, this take is, my stapler. This is funny. It's okay. It's, it is comedy. I recognize that. All right, I think that's it, Bo. I think that was three questions. It was. Okay. It was. All right, it was my understanding. There would be no math, so I typically yes, well. get caught up in the moment here. Bo, we have we have come to the end of our episode on Lorenzo's Oil, and I think it's been a very dramatic episode. I think we've learned a lot here. I think this episode has been brought to you by the letter B and the number three, and medical terminology that I will not even try to repronounce mm. because it's not in our nation's best interest. Well, it's I'm, true. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that tonight. Don't mess with Texas. <laughs> what we have coming up for you. If you want to check out our website, 30 podcast.com, you can find all of our other episodes there. Next episodes coming up. We've got of our regular episodes, star Trek Two: the wrath of Khan, the, which oddly enough is not a time travel movie, but depending on when Bo is going to ask the question of the episode that, is not out yet, but could be out, but is when will then be now kind of a deal? Yes. Yes. Soon. Soon. Uh, next week will be, now will be next week. I don't know what that means. Oh, my head hurts. I'm going to go get some hydrogen peroxide when we're done. I think hydrogen peroxide will take care of all it. of your problems. Rub some Carmex on it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Um, it's like icy hot. <laughs> Let's rub some icy hot on it. It's be totally fine. There you go. That's what when I you know what when I didn't have that was a mistake too. When I didn't have Vicks one time and I was like trying to clear up my nose, I was like, icy hot basically smells the same. Oh, you didn't. I did. It was not wise, Bo. Buddy. Yeah. That had to be I used all to, sorts of special. Yeah, I used to have a master's degree. I think I forgot it. <laughs> yeah, I well, I don't, know what that, I don't know what that did to my brain. But yeah, 
turned it all Abbey normal is what it did. So September, we've got Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan from 82. It's a 40th anniversary special in which we're going to have our Patreon co-executive producer, Rob Perry, join us for that one. So super excited to have him on there. He's going to also come back in October to help us discuss Alien 3, three times the awesomeness is what that one is. But for the rest of September, we've got Star Trek II. We've got Forever Young. We've got Death Becomes Her. Our Patreon episodes are The Dark Crystal, Cat People, and Cue the Winged Serpent. Then for, that's the letter Q, not like cue the winged serpent and expect him to come out, you know, from stage left. That's not what that means. And it's not related to the Star Trek character Q, before anybody asks. Is a winged serpent a dragon? Yes, it is, Bo. Okay, just checking. And Q is short for Quetzalcoatl because it is the Aztec god. Uh, huh. There, There is a... There's yes, a, there, there is. A, is. And, okay, so, full circle. Yeah. I just finished a rewatch of Star Trek the Animated Series, ah. and that particular Aztec god makes an appearance in one of the last episodes of the Animated Series. Oh, very well. Yes, it was, it was odd. Okay. As some of the Animated Series episodes were. As is this movie. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Have you watched Indeed. it? Indeed. No, but I've seen enough pictures and and read enough to go things that make you go hmm <laughs> bo there are no surprises in this movie when a window washer gets decapitated in the first 60 seconds of the movie you kind of know what you're in for yes you know mm-hmm. what you have signed up for there is mm-hmm. no doubting yeah wow so. first 60 seconds huh yeah Oh, yeah, we, we, we get to the action right away. So, yeah, so then October, we got Last House on the left from 72, Airplane 2 from 82, and Secret of Nim from 82. Those are our Patreon episodes. And then our regular episodes for October are Bram Stoker's Dracula, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Army of Darkness. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. And then Alien I am I am looking forward to that with, I, a, with a childlike joy. I it's it's going to be a quotathon is what it's going to be. We well, may, all of those are. We may have to dedicate an entire evening to Army of Darkness just because I know what's going to happen. It's not a bad plan, you know. Trying yeah. to squeeze in an extra recording with Army of Darkness might. It's not going to happen. Might just not be smart for us. It's, I'm going to be honest. It's not. It's not groovy, is what it is. It's not, true. Uh, it's not going to happen. I am super excited that, however, I don't have a 4K TV, so it's not really going to matter. But actually, the 4K release of Army of Darkness should be happening within the next two weeks. Ooh. And I have the 4K of Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, so that will complete my collection and then just awaiting the day when I finally upgrade my TV. and. Can what watch if they're available in HD and UHD streaming anywhere? I'll have to look. Well, they might be. Yeah. But that's what we got coming up for the next couple of months. So right on. That is it is what it is. So Bo, thank you for tolerating being here with me for an hour and whatever minutes. Thank you, John, for pulling us together and, and getting this done. Bo, it's always a little bittersweet whenever we finish one of these episodes and Parting is such such sweet sorrow. It is. And you'll find that we joke a lot, but my laughter is only skin deep. Perhaps when this episode is over, you might join me for a weep. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's time to go. <laughs> you think? I just, I don't know. That went to a place, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know anymore. It went to a place where only hydrogen peroxide and Carmex could bring us back out again. True. True. And maybe a little dash of Manil Paneer Veneer Veneer. Yeah, well, Manil Paneer Veneer Veneer Paneer is always the right answer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Little, yellow, and different. All right, friends. That's going to do it for this episode. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. Go try to pronounce some medical terminology. It's a fun game. Malerpreneur Fritter. Exactly. There you go. Ankleosaur. <laughs> Ankleosaur. We'll see you back here next time.